Jake in bed, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone on a football Friday. We do it every Friday. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of state winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties. You sign up with paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. He covers the kooks for KSLSports.com. He's our friend Mitch Harper. What's up, Mitch? Hey, guys. Happy to be on with you again. So, Mitch... Not a great opponent this weekend coming up for BYU. I guess the obvious question is just what are you looking for? You know, you're probably not going to lose this game. So, so what can you take from it? I think the biggest thing that I'm looking for is, is can BYU maintain the, the high level of play offensively uh, that they displayed in the past two games against Virginia, 66 points, then 59 points against Idaho State. Can they keep that going against a, uh, another weak opponent? At uh, their pass defense in Georgia Southern is not good at all. So uh, after a week off, will BYU have that same high level of execution? I think that's one thing I'm curious to see. And I think also, too, just defensively, will BYU um, you know, be suspect to, to giving up? Or will they be able to get off the field on third down? Because this Georgia Southern offense, it's got some triple option principles, and it's similar to Coastal Carolina where they incorporate the pass occasionally as well. Uh, last year, they couldn't get off the field against Coastal. Georgia Southern doesn't have the type of talent like Coastal, but uh, that's going to be another interesting thing that I, I kind of keep tabs on, just see you know, how BYU is progressing on that front. But offensively is where I'm going to be having a lot of my attention coming up tomorrow. Mitch, I'm not known as a complainer, but I have complained a lot over the years about independence, probably more so than most. Um, and to the point where I thought they should have gone back to the Mountain West years ago. I know that's not an entirely popular opinion and now they're going to the big 12 so it doesn't matter anyway but these games are are what i will not miss about independence and he can't complain about this year's schedule it's been great but the meaningless random road game against a nondescript team that you will absolutely never think about again in your life in the middle of what's been a a really good year i i won't miss this game i i'd rather watch them beat up on the bottom of a, a league team in the big 12 because at least it'll be a league game i these types of games i will not miss yeah i, I completely agree with you and and this 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 game does highlight the the flaws of independence a lot i mean you think back to like new mexico state and umass these random pointless trips there's, there's just no need toledo you just, there was no need for BYU to make these trips. Unfortunately for BYU, they don't have enough of the uh, bankroll or cash roll to just do one-off money games with these teams every single year. So they would do some occasional home and homes. You're thinking, why is BYU going to Georgia Southern? It just it just doesn't make sense. But uh, yeah, I think that is going to be one of the things that uh, I think Cougar fans can appreciate going into the Big Twelve is that these days of just having that random game in, in November against the Georgia, Georgia Southern, that's going to be gone. And I think it just, I think it's also frustrating too for BYU fans where, you know, you're seeing, you know, like Utah's got a chance to go to the, the Rose Bowl and they're playing in a huge game against Oregon and there's just a lot at stake in November. BYU hasn't had a meaningful game since October 30th. It's just the last three weeks. All we've talked about is, you know, BYU's in the playoff. They've got this good ranking. It's a good season, but uh, they have been out of sight and out of mind in the college football landscape for three weeks, and, and that's one of the drawbacks for sure with independence. 
So, Mitch, when you have these weeks that are down, we kind of look for storylines all over the place because I think that's natural. Uh, and the, the big storyline is, you know, is Kalani going to get hired away? At least we know he's going to get headhunted, whether he takes another job. Uh, regardless, how has Kalani handled that this week? handled it pretty well. Uh, you know, according to the players, he hasn't addressed the team uh, in regards to some of the speculation around him. There hasn't been any sort of formal interview, at least with Kalani. I mean, most of these things are done with the agents anyway. Uh, but, you know, I think that Kalani would be a, a great fit at Washington. I just wonder, you know, if, if Washington does end up pursuing him, and it seems like, according to the reports, guys like Matt Campbell, Dave Aranda, seem to be some of the, the leaders rising up uh, the, the big board for Washington's coaching search. I, I just think that, you know, Kalani, the one thing, the knock on him, is that, yes, he's had success at BYU. He's a perfect fit at BYU. Uh, but does he have the ability to, you know, win a Power 5 league or, or something like that? I think he's got that uh, potential in him, but he hasn't shown uh, that ability to have that, that, that significant national um, season where – you're in the conversation for the playoff for the top 10. I think some of these programs like a Washington, like a USC, they want to see that for their next coaching hire, at least to appease their fan base. I think Kalani would be a good fit in any of those spots because I think he's, he's evolved where he's embraced NIL. He, he's able to navigate and limit guys entering the transfer portal. I mean, BYU's had, I think that they have all three of their quarterbacks still in the program speaks to Kalani's ability to foster a culture. I know it's a cliche term in college football, but he really has created a culture where guys, even if they're not playing, they want to stay. And I think that should be appealing for a lot of programs that uh, need a head coach. And, and it's going to be interesting, too, because, you know, there's, what, 12, 14 coaches or head coaching spots open in the carousel right now. I think that number is going to grow, and some of these programs might need to dig a little bit further down their big board uh, and they in turn maybe to a Kalani Sataki and give him a – a massive payday or offer uh, that is going to put pressure on BYU to up the ante. And I think that BYU is willing to, uh, you know, up the resources and the commitment. I think a lot of BYU fans are uh, sometimes don't realize the commitment that BYU has. I just don't think in the past they've needed to allocate a ton of resources financially to BYU because they haven't had the TV revenue. Now the TV money is going to be coming soon. They're committed to the highest levels. And I think that, That'll be showing very soon, and I think that they got to do it sooner rather than later for Kalani Satake. So last week, Mitch, you told us that uh, you felt that USC was the only Pac-12 job that would have the clout to draw Kalani Satake. Let me ask you this. With the kind of weird rumors this week about Coach Kyle Whittingham and how long he's going to be at that job, would you include Utah in that take? Interesting thought. I mean, and I was also thinking up when I got the air, Washington is an interesting position, too, because they, I think their history is second to only USC out in the West Coast. Oregon's got the Nike money. Uh, but I think that, you know, Washington football, since Don James, over the last 30 years, they've, they've got as many winless seasons as they do Rose Bowl wins uh, over the last 30 or so years. So Washington, to me, is just kind of a middling 7-8 to eight win team. And I think with Utah, uh, I think that that job he's got a lot of connections to, clearly. But I think that BYU can... Uh, achieve everything that Utah can now that they're going to be going to the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I think that as long as the Big 12 has inclusion into an automatic qualifier spot in a 12-team playoff, which it sounds like, according to the reports, that the Big 12 will be part of that autonomous group still with the five conferences, why would Kalani need to leave for the Utah job? Uh, There's more fans with BYU. 
Uh, there's greater support for BYU, and BYU is going to be more committed than ever being in the Big 12 Conference. I think everything, all the talking points that Utah's held over BYU the past decade, they're now kind of negated. BYU can counter that, and they, they've got a more robust history. Kalani loves BYU. He wants to be the Polynesian Lavelle Edwards. Uh, I, I think that Utah, I mean, it's, it's a threat. I, I think it always could be because maybe, uh, you know, his, his connections there. But I also think Mark Harlan would rather go kind of national. I don't think Mark Harlan's solely just focused on Utah-based hires. I think he's more of a guy that would want to branch out and go national. I think a guy like a Dan Mullen could be a guy that Utah could go to. I mean, he's got ties to Utah as well, and he might be on his way out of Florida, and he's always had some great offenses. So I, I think that he would think bigger than just simply – you know, the Salt Lake County in Utah, which we tend to do in this market, I think that Harlan would think a little bit bigger than just simply Kalani Sataki. He'd be a good fit there, but I think BYU'd be able to offer a little bit more than Utah. Mitch, outside of... Or let me put the cart before the horse, and regardless of, let's say, Kalani leaves anywhere, who can BYU hire? I mean, who would the top options be for BYU this offseason? Yeah, I was thinking about that this week, honestly, and I think that, I mean, you'd, you'd probably high in the sky you'd make a call just to see uh andy reed maybe just that's a long shot it never happened probably but just get, if you're tom Holman, you got that relationship there with andy reed you'd, you'd make that maybe first call but i think honestly it'd be fessy sataki to me i would go with fessy uh or aaron roderick but i think fessy sataki would be the guy i think he's got maybe that dynamic uh, charisma that uh you know would win over administrators and boosters similar to that of Kalani. They're, they're brothers of course cousins technically but they call each other brothers uh it might be a little bit of a stretch on the outside people see a, a wide receiver coach jumping up to head coach status but uh Fessy Satake to me would be the pick I, I think that BYU's coaching search uh would be required to have a coach that's had BYU coaching experience because I think BYU learned in a very hard way with Kalani early on that hiring a guy that has zero BYU coaching experience was a far steeper learning curve than they ever realized and when Kalani took the job in that disastrous 2017 season, that was in large part because of the limited experience he knew of, of coaching at BYU. So I think that's a requirement. So I think Fessy Satake, Aaron Roderick, I think also Kelly Papinga at Virginia, Jason Beck at Virginia, those to me would be the four guys. I, you know, a guy like Jay Hill uh, would be someone that you would be, be a name to bring up. But I think honestly – uh, you know, he, him not having BYU coaching experience to me would knock him down a little bit just because of the steep curve that, that Kalani Satake had to go through. And Kalani was the perfect fit. He still is the perfect fit at BYU. That, that curve w- was steep, and it's, it really uh, it, it, it put him squarely on the hot seat, and I don't think BYU wants to afford that. So someone that has institutional knowledge of BYU would be a requirement if Kalani ever did leave. Thanks, Mitch. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Ain't no problem, guys. Take care.